So um, hi everyone. So this is Jacob, um, uh, the host of Duos Within Emerging Markets. Um, and I'm really honored and privileged to be um, to have um, uh, Yoroko Morita. I hope I pronounced your name right. Um, Eureka, yes. Eureka, mm -hmm. on the podcast, uh, she has an incredible story, and I'll let her share her story and the company that she um, she founded and um, and what she works on. And I think it will be very very helpful to for her to share her story, but also kind of you know the background she has and how that is important to many of the entrepreneurs that in Africa, Asia. Uh, as well as Latin America, which is uh, the broad base of our of our audience. So, uh, thank you so much, and, and welcome on the podcast. It's nice to be here. So, just to begin with, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and you know um, about your company, uh, Pattern Integrated? Sure. Um, so, when I was a student, I studied physics was what was in, what interested me. And then I realized I really liked doing hands-on devices. So when I was, so I have, I have an undergraduate degree in physics and um, then I started. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I really liked it though. So I had a couple of internships where I, and essentially my job was um, to zap things with lasers and see what came out. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for two summers and then I realized, so I wanted to be, so in physics, there's a lot of exploration of fundamental questions about science, about physics, about device, about materials, for example. And that's what I was kind of getting into. I, I was going to do material science and, phys mm -hmm. and material physics. Mm -hmm. um, then I realized I really prefer the applications of those, mm -hmm. of those concepts. So making actual devices that people would use, that sort of thing. So even though I started off in graduate school in physics, I mm -hmm. switched over to electrical engineering because what I wanted to do was to make devices. Mm -hmm. So I finished um, in, I have a PhD in, in electrical engineering, uh, focusing on liquid crystal devices and optical systems using liquid crystals. This was you know, 20 years ago. Uh, so back then, the big thing was telecom. One of the things that happened was that during that process, I was exposed to the patenting process. Mm -hmm. So the device that I ended up making for uh, that, uh, the device on which my thesis, my graduate thesis was based, mm -hmm. was based on a patent that a colleague had obtained. So my job as a graduate student was to get experimental results based on this patent. So I learned about how that patent came about, how that innovation came about, how they went through the patent process, um, those sorts of things. I was exposed to that in a real life. And um, it just so happened that I took a class uh, during graduate school as well. It was open to all engineering students about intellectual property. And the guy that taught the class, he was a former Silicon Valley big law guy who was involved in a lot of patent applications for some really big companies. Um, he was teaching the class. And after the class, he pulled me aside and said, you know what, you might be good at this. This might be something you might consider for, for mm -hmm. a career and I'll teach you how to do it. So wow. that was, that was over, that was about 25 years ago. 
And since then, so he, he hired me, he, mm-hmm. he essentially took me on as an intern. Wow. Um, taught me the process. I did other things. Um, mm-hmm. I got into research. I got into um, some education for, for optics and uh, photonics for mm-hmm. a while. And then I kind of came back into patents mm-hmm. and I've been doing it ever since. So his focus was working with startup companies. Um, he, he left big law because he was frustrated that he couldn't, he was too expensive for startup companies to afford him. So he started, his own, <laughs> yeah, a big problem. So he started his own firm to focus on working with startups. And this is a theme that's going to come up later. Um, I, so I started working with his firm and then I went in-house at one of his clients and became in-house patent agent for a client that led to other in-house jobs. I went through what we call patent prosecution, which is essentially the process of obtaining patents. And then I kind of got in more into the business of patents. So things like um, commercialization, licensing, those sorts of areas. I worked in that for a while and just came all the way around to the point where I was frustrated that I could no longer I was at a point in my career that I could no longer work with startups anymore. Yeah. Um, and I'm from a generation where around the time, so I, was, I finished graduate school in 1999. And mm. around that time, it was, it, it was a startup boom. Everybody yeah. was getting money. A, yeah, yeah. a lot of my colleagues were starting companies. Yeah. So I wanted to work with them. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, I had to start my own firm, mm-hmm. which eventually became Patents Integrated. Integrated, yeah, yeah. That's 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 amazing. I think one one thing that um, that most of the guests come on this podcast is just how fascinating the stories begin, and it is. I think you know one thing that is really fascinating, and I'll, I'll kind of follow up with other questions that we we uh, that I have for you is it's really amazing that sometimes the path you take is not really well planned, and. And, you know, it looks like, you know, it was an organic process that really got you to where you are now. And and I, I really like that because one thing that, you know, uh, perhaps most of the audience have not done, um, you know, a deep dive into it. But when I look at the demographics, you know, these are young people that they want to try something different. And sometimes, you know, planning, um, your plans might not actually fit into what you ultimately do. And right, so it's uh, it's just pretty refreshing to hear that you know, kind of put down the stress level of some of our <laughs> some of our audience, you know, having to figure out everything, uh, you know, the ten year plan or fifteen year plan. So, so thanks for sharing that. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. And and, and by the way, switching from physics to electrical engineering is still really hard. <laughs> you know, it's more practical. But no, thank you so much, and uh, that 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 you know, it kind of leads to us to gives me a very gives us a very good background about how you founded it. So one thing that you know, for most of us, we don't really understand what you know intellectual property is. We don't know what patenting is and trademarking is. Can you just please give us a definition of that and the differences? Because I myself, I always get uh, confused between what's the IP versus patenting versus trademarking. If you can. So intellectual property is essentially a asset class of intangible assets. So things like know-how, knowledge, 
um, innovation, um, branding, when you um, graphics that are unique, that are unique to you. So all of these things are fall under the category of intellectual property. So it's essentially anything that is unique that you created. And so they, they kind of, and they are, the way that they are protected fall into, in general, fall into four different categories. So one is patents, what you think of, that's probably the first category that you think of when you think intellectual property. So these are innovations, um, inventions, those sorts of ideas that are crystallized in a useful device or a process. Um, and there are actually three different kinds of patents in the United States. There are utility patents. So th that's the typical inventions and that sort of things that you think yeah. of. Another one is plant patents. So these mm -hmm. are um, these are not naturally occurring patent, uh, mm -hmm. plants. These are these are essentially um, engineered plants okay. uh, that can be protected as plant under the plant patent category. Mm -hmm. And then there are also design patents that protect the look and feel of a particular device. For example, the, um, the old home button on mm -hmm. the Apple iPhone mm -hmm. that was protected under a lot of design patents, for example. So th yeah, these are some famous, that's a, that's a famous example of a design patent. Yep, yep. Now, so those are for innovations, things that you do or that are functional, that, that provide some kind of a utility and function. Yep. Another category is, as you mentioned, trademarks. So yes. trademarks relate to things like phrases, graphics, names, uh, logos. Those are things that, are, that, that partic define a particular brand or a particular company mm -hmm. that, is used by, that, that is used by a particular company. And that company doesn't want other people copying it to create mm -hmm. confusion in the marketplace. Definitely. So that is another category of, of um, intellectual property that can be formally registered with the patent office in your your, your country yep. um, and, and um, so they they protect things a lot of um, a lot of companies that do a lot of branding um, yes. for example different um, different logos for different companies um, a lot a lot of um, uh, phrases company yep. names even all of those can be trademarked Definitely. Um, and then there are also copyrights that has to do more with the exact wording or essentially a, a, um, a creative work yes. that is that is essentially on a permanent medium. So it even though so it can be a painting, for example, or a book. Um, a lot of these these days, a lot of these creative works are actually digital media. So there are copyrights that can be associated with that as well. Essentially, it's, it can be saved on a file. Mm -hmm. So that's, those, are, those are items that are subject to copyrights. Yeah. Um, and the thing to keep in mind too is that trademarks and copyrights can be, um, they can be registered trademarks, registered copyrights. So essentially you file paperwork with your home country's patent office, trademark office. Um, or they can also be informal trademarks and copyrights where when you see when you see with a with a logo or something with a mm -hmm. or the, with a company name you see um, 
a superscript TM. TM. Yeah, TM. Yeah. Yep. TM is a non-registered trademark mm-hmm. where a company just goes out and says, you know what? We're going to call this our trademark. Okay. Um, th- there are, they're not as strong as a registered trademark. So yes. when you register a trademark, it does go through an examination process to say, yep, that is unique. Mm-hmm. You, you get to own a monopoly on that. Mm-hmm. So, th- so you, there's a, when you get, see the circle R that is stronger than a TM mm-hmm. and it's a similar thing with copyrights. You can just put a circle C with your with the year of the copyright as well as the owner's name maybe you might put all rights reserved that sort of thing so that that is that doesn't necessarily have to be a registered copyright you can just declare something copyrighted right. uh, which brings rights to you the creator yeah. if you want to enforce it against somebody else though then you would want to register it Definitely. and then there's actually a fourth category of intellectual property which is called trade secret. Mm -hmm. And it is for any information that is valuable to the company, um, is secret, somehow kept secret, and then it is also protected so that it is under lock and key somehow. And trade secrets are kind of interesting because a lot of times with patents, trademarks, copyrights, these are published things. So when you file your invention as a patent application, they all patent applications pretty much across across the world publish in 18 months from the, the initial filing. That means that your inventions, everything related to your invention that you know gets published in mm-hmm. and put out into the world. Sometimes you might not want, want that out there in the world. So then that sort of information where you, if it's something that, if it's information that if someone buys your product and takes it apart, they would not be, be, be able to reverse engineer it. That sort of information may be kept, you may consider keeping it as a trade secret and protecting it that way. Definitely. So those are, those are the sort of the formal categories of yeah. intellectual property. I don't know how important that is just to demystify, you know, uh, those terms, especially the TM and the C. I know most websites have the C on it and what's what the mean, the TM. But, you know, I think for, for our audience, um, especially those who just joined recently, um, we're talking about trademarks, you know, patenting and copyright. And she went into trade secrets as well. This, I think, um, very important uh, how we think about um, our companies and whatever we're trying to build, right? Um, uh, and I think in mostly emerging markets, right, this, some of this has not been well-formed, but I think eventually they'll catch up to that. Um, and some of these laws and international patents and laws and all that, but you know, you are the expert. So you know, as we go through this episode, I'll definitely love to hear more about your perspective on this. So just segue, uh, seg- as we segue into the next question, what should, um, early stage entrepreneurs consider uh, once they're thinking about uh, intellectual property, which you said is one asset class, right? How should people be thinking about it? Especially people who don't have any idea of what is, um, you know, we're lucky to have you here on the podcast to talk about this, but how will you, you know, um, how should an early stage entrepreneur um, be thinking about this? So there are two things two primary reasons why 
people come, two primary reasons why clients come to me. One is they want to avoid getting sued as soon as they start selling their product. Yes. So that's that has to do with infringing on other people's intellectual property. And the other part, the second consideration is they want to be able to protect their own product from being copied by others. So these are these are two things that are very important, I think, to every entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. These are things that um, it doesn't matter if you're in high tech or if you are in um, if you are building clothes or, or if you if you're designing clothing um, or jewelry, even there are a lot of actually intellectual property considerations that go into that. But let's focus on those two things. So then one is you don't want to get sued. And the other one is you want to protect your own competitive market share or or your own competitive competitive advantage or your own market share. Mm -hmm. Um, And these two things from a legal perspective can be taking care of using intellectual property. So one of the things that I, that I do want to emphasize though, is that regardless of whether you are just starting out or that you are an experienced entrepreneur, intellectual property considerations don't just stand on its own. Like you can't just hire an IP attorney and just say, mm-hmm. you guys take care of the, the IP part and I'll take care of the business. These yeah. are all very much intertwined. Because intellectual property has to do has a lot to do with how you develop your product, mm-hmm. how you build your product, how you think design your product, mm-hmm. and how you protect your product. Mm-hmm. And that and, and product development has a lot to do with your what you're getting from your customers, what sort of feedback you're getting from your customers, where the investors want you to go, where you want your business to go, how you want to exit from your business, all of these things. So you do, so IP considerations, business considerations, and product development considerations all need to work together. So ultimately these two questions of, you don't want to get sued, and you don't want somebody to copy you, they, they both have intellectual property concerns. And so they both have IP risks that you exactly. are addressing exactly. that all tie into how you develop your product and how you build your business. Exactly. So these are things that I think, so these are, these are the things that I would love for all entrepreneurs to think about before they even start putting any time and effort into your business idea. So one is that you do, so there are two big ways that IP can help you. So one is to avoid, to help you avoid getting sued. And then the other part is protecting your competitive advantage so that other people are not, are not copying your product. That. And just keep in mind that your business strategy need to take into consideration your product development strategy and IP strategy. They all need to work together. Yep, yep. That, that's, that's very important. And just a shameless plug here, um, you have a pattern integrated, um, you know, you can definitely, you know, hire them to kind of, you know, to help you figure this out. I think that's one of the things that we also try to bring here is to uh, bring the resources that are important. 
that you know people don't just get informed but you know i think kind of what you have said you know uh, patent agreed is a place where for everyone listening is a place where you can go and get the information that you need as um from what you've heard so far she, um uh, she really understands the, the ecosystem and she can really help you um you know figure that out early on before you get into a position where you can get you know you are faced with a lawsuit or something like that so um we're gonna put the link in the the episode in the description below and you can definitely um reach out to to our amazing guest here uh, so one thing that i mean maybe people might be curious about is what is the process of getting a pattern um i, I know it's 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 more detailed and elaborate i might guess but how does the process work and how do you help your clients get that pattern or intellectual property that um that they they want to have in order to get avoid being sued or uh for the competitive advantage sure where i start with all of my clients is understanding what they want to do with their business and how ip can maybe help them achieve their goals so we always start with well how would how would for example, what do you have? Mm-hmm. What what product are you are you looking to build? Who is your market? Where are they? Because intellectual property protection is regional, so it's specific to each country. Where do your customers live? Where do your um, where do you plan to sell your products? Where do you plan to manufacture your product? Where are your competitors, and where are they operating? Um, so then we look at things like, say you are building a widget, where are you going to build that widget? So are you going to be outsourced outsourcing or, um, to another, to a product development company to, to develop that product for you? Um, are you going to be manufacturing, um, in your country or overseas? Um, where do you want, uh, what, um are the are the other companies in your in your market are they litigious do they sue each other mm-hmm. uh, so you know these and and do 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 your investors care about intellectual property do your customers care does it can that serve as a um as a competitive advantage for you if you exactly. can put patent pending or not do they care or there are certain certain technology areas like some areas of software the timeline of getting patent protection and the timeline of product development and the chances of you um releasing a product and that product looking the same even six months later that's very low, especially for technology companies or, or app companies. Yeah. So I'll, some, some of those times IP does IP protection doesn't really make sense. So yes. what are things that you can do in order to protect your competitive advantage, right. given that sort of a, a marketplace. Okay. So these are all things that we, that we talk about. And yeah. then if it, if it does make sense to file for patent protection, or mm-hmm. like if you are in a litigious industry that, for example, medical device is a good one, where there are really big companies that file for a lot of patents, and you want to get in with them, 
Mm-hmm. You want to be acquired by one of these big companies, for example, then you want to be building an IP portfolio of your, your own so that it can be, it can plug right into fill a hole that is in this big company's portfolio, for example. So these are things that we do. So you can't, so once we decide IP is IP protection, formal IP protection should be part of your company's arsenal, then you go through, you start going through the specific patent process, patent writing process, or copyright registration process, whatever, for your specific country. That's that's very helpful. And I mean, and to that, um, because you brought up regions and countries um how, how is because you know i i think the u.s um has a different system for sure as based on region how, how is the u.s uh the, the, that process different from uh, uh, perhaps other parts of the world or maybe the international uh bodies that um you know some people have to go through that or some people you know they're trying to build this competitive advantage in the u.s can you just please explain the difference? Not necessarily the difference, but how, what, based on your experience, how is the US patenting process versus you know, other, other parts of the world? There's been a lot more uniformity across mm. the world these days. Um, for example, the US, as well as mo- pretty much most countries around the world, participated in what is called the Patent Cooperation Treaty which is essentially you get to file one international patent application. And then within a certain amount of time, um, 30 or 31 months from the original filing, usually, um, you get to choose in which specific countries you want to file. So then mm-hmm. you, the, the U.S. is a part of the PCT. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every major country around the world Uh, is a part of the PCT. So pretty much all Asian countries, all African countries, so all of these. So the the process of prosecuting, process of process, prosecuting Mm -hmm. patent applications in specific countries, patent patent applications or copyrights, trademarks, whatever, a lot of them, there is an international process that you can start um, you can start with an international process and then go into the specific nationalized nationalizations. So nation, we call that national stage filings. Um, and a lot of that depends on where you're doing business. Do Is IP valued in your country? Where are you going to be? Do, will you be doing international business? Will you be? Will your customers be abroad? Where are your customers located? For example, if you are, if you know that you are in, you are an American country. Uh, you are an American company that wants to be doing, say, clinical trials in Kenya. Then what should you be doing? Um, then so it really depends on where you're going to going to be manufacturing your device if you're going to be manufacturing in the united states then you know definitely get u.s protection because you are a u.s u.s company and then maybe look into getting a um, patent application filed either specifically in kenya there or there is a um an african regional um ip 
application that you can file as well. So then you get a lot of con- countries in Africa covered. Mm-hmm. In case you know, in case maybe that Kenya um, opportunity doesn't work out, so you you want to go try, uh, you want to run your clinical trials at a hospital in Ghana. Or something like that. So you can do things like that. But it's all as far as the, yes, there are specific differences in the different countries, but the overall process is the same. You essentially put together for patents, for for example, you put together a patent application, you include a list of claims that define your invention. And then you essentially argue back and forth with your specific patent office. Uh, you will want to get you want to get help from a professional that has knowledge about that specific country. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I am registered in the United States to work in front of the US Patent and Trademark Office. Mm-hmm. So you would want to work with me for US filings. I have partners that I that I rely on to take care of foreign filings outside of the United States. That makes sense. That, that's that's really important, and I think um, uh, people might reach out to you after this episode is published. Um, but you know, I think that's really important, and we have we're always um, it's never it never crosses the mind of some of the entrepreneurs I talk to, but I do think it really helps with the competitive advantage, especially those in Africa um, that are trying to build something that they they envision can you know change the dynamics of a certain industry or. Uh, specific work, um, specific in, um, specific work that are, they're working on. So um, I do think it's about time that people really realize that this is something I have to work on early on rather than later. So thanks for yeah, and I, to that. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's one of the things that that does come up um, in, for when I talk with folks outside, entrepreneurs outside of the United States, is that where. Um, so whereas you might, you might actually, you know, IP considerations can be, can be considered earlier, like you're saying, you know, it's, it's something that every entrepreneur should keep in the back of their mind, but it doesn't have, it doesn't always have to be mm-hmm. an expensive process or you know, IP doesn't necessarily make sense for every company. Yeah. It's just that it's something that is hard to fix if you don't think about it right up front. Mm. Like, for example, something as basic as having incorporation documents or um, IP assignment documents, or even if you have a found, if you have a co-founder. Now, do if you if well the two so if it if it's if you form a company with a friend. Mm-hmm. And say you have the original idea, but it's your friend, it's the co-founder that is actually implementing that idea into a product. Then how do the how do you assign the original idea to the company? How does your co-founder assign the implementation to the company? Or do you keep them separate? You know, these are formal agreements that that can lead to really bad things if you don't have them in place right up front. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's a great example. I, I mean, I, um, that's a really good example. And I think um, some people might get aware of it. Um, so in terms of, uh, oh, by the way, that example brought me to this big uh, biological exp- thing was uh, 
I'm guessing it was a lawsuit between the CRISPR-Cas9 and those uh, lady at uh, California who implemented, who discovered the CRISPR-Cas9 biological process and those mm -hmm. professor here at MIT in Boston that actually implemented it. And there was, there was some, some back and forth in the biology, biological science world about implementation versus discovery of the the, the protein that uh, and the mRNA that came out. So yeah, kind of way out of it, but I see <laughs> see that. Um, it's certainly there, and that that's just such an interesting situation too, because essentially there was a group of people that were working on the same idea at the same time at different places. Um, and there was a race to the patent office. There are, you know, look for some articles that talk about sort of like the patenting process that went under that, uh, went into that rivalry. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. Um, that's amazing. So um, for going back to entrepreneurs, um, how should they be thinking about IP commerce, like commercialization? I think you talked a little bit about this, right? But if you can add more to that. Yeah. Um, so one thing that has happened in, especially in the last 10 years or so, mm -hmm. is that when you say IP commercialization, I'm assuming you're talking about having, essentially making money off of your IP in some way. Yes. Um, so then if you are an operating company mm -hmm. that is creating IP around the product that you are selling, that mm -hmm. is one approach of IP commercialization. So you're essentially directly commercializing your intellectual property in your product. Mm -hmm. Another thing that another business model that has existed for a long time is the approach of actually creating, innovating for the sake of innovation. Um, for example, if you are a in just an ideas guy that comes up with a lot of you know, improvements to existing products, for example, you can file for those patent applications without actually having created product around it. So you can have a portfolio of patents, of issued patents that you might be trying to either license to someone else or to sell to another company. That business model, that second one of your of innovating, creating patent, uh, creating IP assets and then selling that IP, IP asset, that that business model has become a lot more difficult, especially in the last five, six years mm -hmm. um, because of a lot of case law and a lot of litigation and mm -hmm. uh, um, outcome, uh, litigation outcomes, as well as legislation in for, especially in the United States. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's become very difficult. So then one of the things that I do encourage my clients to think about is, what is your exit strategy? So is, for example, we, um, I've seen an example. This is not my client. This is, this is essentially a, a patent portfolio that I've been studying on behalf of a client. So this particular company that we've been studying has been filing patent applications from day one. So these are, you know, even from right as they are starting the company, they've been filing patent applications left and right for since the beginning. Mm -hmm. So then over the course of the past four, four or five years, this company has amassed quite an a, a interesting IP portfolio. The problem is looking at it from my client's perspective, it's not necessarily, these are not necessarily IP that's practical 
in product development. Mm. So then these just seem like, you know, brainstorming ideas, all these things that you could do if you had Mm. no physical constraints and you had, you have plenty of money, Money. that sort of IP, but they're creating this big IP portfolio that looks really impressive. So then what we are, what we're speculating is that this particular company is probably looking at, so there are, there are VC, VC funded com- companies. So they have venture capital involved, which means that they're going to have to exit. So mm-hmm. They've been around for five years. So, you know, they're going to be have, have to exit in the next few years yeah. in order yeah. to make the money back for the VC. Yep. So one one of their strategy we're speculating is essentially amassing this IP portfolio that they're going to sell to somebody. Mm-hmm. That, that's very, that's a very, very good illustration of kind of what I was thinking about. And, yeah. um, you know, personally, I, pre- I prefer to work with product companies that are actually making product and products, innovating yeah. around product. Yeah. I have worked on the other side where I was trying to license essentially um, IP portfolios that mm-hmm. someone else had created around another product, maybe that could be applicable to yet another product, you know, that sort <laughs> of thing. It's really hard. So yeah. if, you are, if your expectation is that maybe you don't have the money for this particular innovation, that you'll be able to sell and you'll be able to, able to get a patent on it and then sell that patent. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at, so think about the timeline of how long that would take as well as the amount of money that it'll take and the amount of money that you may be able to raise for that considering things like royalty rates and licensing uh, agreements and that kind of things understand the process before you actually try to think try to get into that definitely 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 um so just uh one question and i think uh definitely uh love to have you in a webinar too because i think there's a lot of people that uh would love to be part of this, but I think so far you have really helped uh, help us learn a lot uh, in the past 40 minutes. Um, so just uh, the last question on the industry, and we're going to go into some inspirational questions just for people to get a sense of how you're thinking about your work and also um, just a few aspects of, of, of the, the patenting and copywriting and all that. But the, the last question on the industry is like, uh, so as entrepreneurs are figuring this out, you know, we have companies like yours that can really provide them great advice. Um, other things, what are, what are the other stakeholders that they should be aware of? They should know that these are people that we should be paying attention to. You talked about, you know, a bill that um, that can be passed. Um, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing what you said, but how should people be thinking about it in terms of an ecosystem? once they're um, trying to apply for a patent or trying to do a copyright as an early stage entrepreneur? The, you should definitely be talking with other entrepreneurs in your same industry mm. to, see mm. if, to see what sort of experience they've gone through. Mm. Um, so for example, there's, you know, I keep going back to this medical device, um, medical device example, just because uh, IP is very important for medical devices. Um, there are resources like meetups or uh, um, that that sort of that sort of meetings where the the people the key people in your industry do come together. Mm-hmm. 
And those are good places to ask general questions about. So in your experience, do your do your investors care about your the size of your IP portfolio? Or um, have you been sued by anybody else? Have you had any issues um, when you launched your product? You know, that sort of thing. So definitely talk with others that are in your industry. Um, if you know that you do want to move forward with IP protection, so if, after talking with various people, if you do, if you do have, if you do decide that you want to move forward with a filing, um, a lot of patent offices actually have good resources for inventors. So, for example, if the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office actually has an inventor assistance center, that they will take. You, know, you essentially can just call them and say, hey, I have this sort of an issue. I'm in this industry. Just talk in general, nothing, no, nothing confidential. Um, and ask for, you know, what are the things that I can do? What are, what's, what's your process? That sort of thing. So you can do that. So I, in fact, I just talked with somebody just recently that said she had a, um, it, when she was starting her business, one of the first things that she said, what she did was to call up the local U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and say, hey, can you help me? Mm-hmm. And they actually helped her get through the process of getting filing and obtaining an issued patent for her. Wow. Whether or not that was the, the correct approach for her particular line of business, mm-hmm. so that the USPTO won't tell you anything about that. Mm-hmm. But that's something, that's something to think about. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, where you, you will... If, if you are serious about moving forward with IP protection, you will want to be talking with a professional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, professional advice is key. Um, uh, that's helpful. Uh, meetups are great. I think with the pandemic, you know, it has been challenging, but I think the other online uh, uh, meetups as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the nice thing about the online things, though, so in the past year and a half or so, there have been a lot of industry um, related, not, um, not necessarily meetups, like these conferences that yeah. would normally cost, you know, hundreds or even thousands of dollars. Yeah. They have really come down in price because yeah. you have you have to do it online. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I think this is this is app that has come out. It's called Clubhouse. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, they, they have some really interesting conversations that with very like highly um, uh, notable people in the respective industries, and you just have access to them um, as a podcast film like this. Okay, that, that was really um, informational and very very uh, helpful, and I think our audience will appreciate that. So, uh, just a few more questions, and uh, we can um, um, kind of wrap up here. So. What do you say to entrepreneurs who are intimidated by the whole process of getting a copyright or getting a patent? Um, it's, and as, as I've alluded to in the beginning, not everyone needs to have an IP, not everyone needs to have you know, a patent, uh, perhaps. But you know, people that you, know, may, you may have talked to or they have talked to someone and say, hey, you need a patent. What, can, what advice can you give to them to say, you know what, don't be intimidated by the process? No, and you this thing is you know is important and at the same time it's not that you know so what 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 would you say to them or him or her? I, my advice would be that 
the there are free resources <laughs> if you are if you are audacious enough to want to become a startup entrepreneur then you can figure it out mm. that there are uh, just make sure that you do read both the how to do something as well as how not to do something mm. it can be very expensive there are there are some very basic mistakes that can be made especially in formal ip filings that can be avoided if you avoid it at the beginning it's it's a lot it makes your path a lot smoother mm-hmm. if you make those mistakes early on it can be very costly to fix mm-hmm. so all there, there there are tons of resources out there whether it's um whether it's some some of these big law firms that have great resource repositories for startup companies um you can look up a lot of information you can learn a lot about the patent process the copyright registration process all of those online or through podcasts or you know all sorts of things there are resources out there just make sure that you do learn both sides of the equation like why you should how you should do how you should go through the process as well as how you should not go through the process exactly from your experience maybe i'm just segueing here do you think people have greater losses of not doing anything at all or going through the wrong process mm that's a good question i think that in because i work because of my specialty which yeah. is in complex software uh, complex complex technologies yeah. complicated electronic systems optical systems that sort of things um most times in my among my clients there are they would be harmed they would be more harmed if they didn't do anything mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. didn't file for ip in in the in the particular industries that my clients are involved in yeah. there are other industries for example i have I have a a friend who's a software software entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's created multiple companies. And I happened to be uh I happened to talk to him just after he launched one of his one, one of his projects. This was, you know, 6 <laughs> 7 years ago. <laughs> yeah, he's already moved on from that one. Um but this particular project, I just happened to be talking with him like right when he launched. And one of the things that he told me was that you know you know I decided I am not going to going to file for IP and I am not going to even though I'm using other people's databases in order to pull information into my product I am not going to go out and proactively get licenses from all of these companies because that will cost my company more money than it will if these companies figure out I'm using their data and they come after me So at that point, you know, I I'm happy to talk licenses. It's just that I am going to do things my way and then ask for forgiveness later. And he can get away with that because I think that particular company only existed for like a year. Mm-hmm. And so he got in, built his product, made his money and then got out. Mm-hmm. So for that sort of a, a business model, IP filings aren't necessarily important for you. Wow. So that that's a that's a very good insight. Um 
so now going into some soft soft landing questions here. Uh, what was the I mean, what's the most fun thing about working with entrepreneurs and filing patterns and advising them? What what's, what's, what really makes you excited about the work you do? So when I got out of the hands-on research, yes. Um, what well, what interested me about hands-on research in the first place was the fact that I'm doing something really cool, something really new, something really mm -hmm. novel. And then I switched gears into working with other people that are like that so that I can help them achieve their goals. So I think that working with people that are really smart, that are really passionate about what they're doing, that is the most, thing, most fun thing about my job. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and also helping them to get to a point where um, they can have patented products. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think you know, I, just, I just bring a different perspective. Like I said at the beginning, your business strategy. So a lot of, yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs are really good at things like product development strategy mm, yeah. and or business strategy. business strategy. Exactly. Let's, let's look at your, uh, your legal risks as legal well. Risk. So that's exactly. the perspective that I bring in where yeah. I can say, you know, I've been there. I've, you know, I, I didn't, I've had, I've done my hands-on research too. I understand mm -hmm. what you're doing. Let's add another perspective to that. Exactly. And it's most of the time, it can be a blind spot for most of yeah. them. Um, and blind spots are really risky. Um, so far in your, in your work, uh, what, what has been the, and I know this question might sound very cliche-ish, but like the, <laughs> what has been an, an advice that you have really, that's really helped you, um, I mean, perhaps you as a person, but also like how you look at entrepreneurship and the legal risk that comes with it uh, through your work. Sure. The thing about my job is that I, I consider myself kind of like, an, like a translator, interpreter. So I help product people talk and write in a way that can communicate with the legal people, like with the mm -hmm. examiners at the patent office, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I kind, I kind of consider myself a translator. And these, you know, these are really smart people. So they, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I deal with egos. Sometimes mm -hmm. I deal with people that don't necessarily want to hear what I have to say. Yep. What I, the, and this is something that someone told me probably 15, 20 years ago was the phrase, what isn't, what is heard is more important than what is said. Mm. And this is a leadership this lesson as well. <laughs> and I, I, and I don't, I don't remember who said it, <laughs> I, I, but I just remember that quote and I, it's oh, no. probably out, out there somewhere that you can look it up. Mm. Um, but that, that really resonated with me because there, uh, and that, that is, that is the quote that kind of got me more into negotiations mm. and li licensing discussions, even leadership and people management, as well as peer to peer. So there are things that, you know, maybe you say things that, that, that you have things that, that you need to say, or you have a specific point that you need to make. Mm -hmm. You also need to understand how the person that you are talking to, how they are receiving what you are saying. 
So then you need to adjust what you are saying in order to make sure that that person that you're talking to hears the point that you are trying to make, make. in wow. a way that makes sense to them. That's um, this, this advice, I think it goes ac across, not just in, in entrepreneurship, but in other industries and in life. Yes. Life. <laughs> yeah, I think life. For sure. That's cool. So um, just to, um, um, to kind of wrap it up here, and I think, you know, um, you, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm incredibly honored and privileged to have you here. Um, I do think, um, you know, the work you're doing is really important and you, it's going to be much more relevant in emerging markets and great economies. And, um, and just coming here on the podcast and really sharing all the knowledge you have and the experience you have, I think is invaluable and I really, um, appreciate the fact that you really took time out of your very, very busy schedule, I presume. Um, um, I don't know exactly, but I, I presume that you are a very busy person. Uh, I'm truly grateful and honored. Um, before I will ask you to just, if, if you may, you know, can have your contacts in the, in, the, in the descriptions for people to reach out to you and potential clients as well, speaking of years. Though sometimes I love to read that uh, I think it came from your team, and it's just really interesting. You said, in the world of intellectual property law, you have built alliances, uh, bridged the gap between organizations, and negotiated contracts that have generated millions in revenue. You have maintained and commercialized patent portfolios and can talk technology with the best of them. And the, 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 the really interesting part is like, think of McDemon in any bond identity films, and you get the picture. Uh, and I think um, that uh, really stands out based on how you answer the questions and how you actually made this much more relatable to me and hopefully the audience will, will get the same, the same vibe. So uh, uh, it, will, it will be okay for you to share the, your contacts with the audience, right? So, of course, yeah, you can, there's always the contact page, yep. uh, contact us page on my website, which is patentsintegrated.com. Yes. Yes, which will be included in the description as well. Any last minute advice on just the, the big picture of IP patenting? Um, any last minute um, uh, wisdom of the week or wisdom? <laughs> I think just be ambitious. So I, I understand that if you are listening to this podcast, you're, you may be in an emerging market that may not no you for for you ip it may not be the first thing on your mind you may be more desperate to make sure that you get your products out and you know, sold and, and all of those things be ambitious though because ip is something that can help you launch internationally launch abroad launch at a bigger scale uh, so be ambitious keep ip in mind because it really can help you Awesome. Be ambitious. That's, <laughs> that's a tagline for September. Uh, thank you so much again, uh, Yoko. Um, we really appreciate your time and um, pattern integrated. Everything will be included in the description. And uh, thank you for listening again to this part. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jacob. <laughs>